Old powers waken, shadows stir, an age of wonder and terror will soon be upon us, an age for gods and heroes. The glass candles are burning, and you're listening to the Obsidian Nights Podcast. Hello, my sweet summer children. I'm back with the juice to get you through the long night. And on today's episode of the Obsidianites podcast, I am joined by Marie. Hey, Marie, how you doing? Hey, how are you? I'm great. Um, And today, me and Marie are going to be discussing the last Catelyn chapter of A Game of Thrones. We are one chapter away from the grand finale with me and Quinn talking about the birth of dragons. But... Before we get to that, this chapter is hella interesting because we got a lot going down. Um, So the chapter starts off and it says, it seemed a thousand years ago that Catelyn Stark had carried her infant son at a river run, crossing the Tumblestone in a small boat to begin their journey north to Winterfell. And it was across the Tumblestone that they came home now though the boy wore plate and mail in place of swaddling clothes. Rob sat in the bow with grit, the bow. Rob sat in the bow with gray wind, his hand resting on his direwolf's head as the rowers pulled at their oars. Three, Theon Greyjoy was with him. Her uncle Brendan would come behind in the second boat with the great John and Lord Carstark. Catelyn took a place toward the stern. They shot down the tumblestone, letting the strong current push them past the looming wheel tower. The splash and rumble of a great water wheel within was a sound from her girlhood that brought a sad smile to Catelyn's face. So Catelyn... Um, Catelyn and Rob and these great lords. Cat Catelyn is envisioning like when she was just swaddling Rob at River Run, just him being a baby, him being a newborn. And now he's like this man with great lords all around him and her like these legendary people all around him. And like he's coming to River Run with um stark banners over it and people like yelling winterfell yeah i love this imagery of this chapter it's such a shame it wasn't adapted i mean it would have just i mean if they'd basically started the episode after ned's death with this quick flashback of catlin leaving river run with a baby and then coming back and uh, just transitioning it back in with her with this grown rob in armor that would have been such beautiful imagery yeah it would like kind of like how they did with like the king of the north scene with john snow in the show yeah exactly they both mirror each other and that's that beautiful um like imagery that that um that george adds to everything that he writes just yeah yeah i love that george like really paints the scene like in these first couple pages of this chapter, like he really describes River Run, like the sandstone walls, like the soldiers on every rampart, the like the archway, like he just like does not play when it comes to building the world. Exactly. And then he, yeah, sorry, I lost my thought there. And I also love the whole 
how everyone is just celebrating and Catelyn and Rob are just drenched in grief over what's happened. Yeah. Just, yeah, the juxtaposition of grief um, combined with victory is just such a theme that's always carried throughout, throughout his works. It's like, reminds me of that moment and fire and blood after they win that battle. And um, the sand, or sorry, the sea snake. He's like, yeah, this is victory. I don't want to see another. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he lost like his grandsons, like two of them. Yeah. So it's similar here, like Rob won the battle. It's, it's victory. Yet they've just heard that Ned's dead. Yeah. Like, Cat oh, oh, is even saying it like during this chapter, like when she's talking with Edmure she's Edmure's like your grief is mine cat and um she's like bullshit basically yeah she's he's like the Lannisters will pay and I swear it, you will have your vengeance and she's like um will that bring my husband back to me yeah <laughs> like that, that's not gonna be bring him back and um but she's more interested in seeing her father exactly but he is bed bedridden he's old um and I think that don't they tell like doesn't he want to see her like as soon as she gets there? Yeah, she wants to see him and he wants to see her and Edmund takes her in and he's um he repeats the words back to her that he'd said uh, that he um that she had always sorry where is that again? The um I watched for you cat and she, that was something that he'd always told her to do when he left watch for me cat. Yes, that's such a sweet echo. <laughs> Yeah, she, um, Kat goes through like all these emotions. So not only has she like just lost her husband, her son, like that she's recalling as a baby is now like all in armor. He's, he's at war, but not only that, like she's being told that, you know, our dad won't be here with us long, like but he's in pain. It's constant. It's grievous. It's grievous. And then like, she's filled with blind rage it says a blind rage filled her a rage at all the world at her brother edmir and at her sister lysa at the lannisters at the maesters at ned and her father and the monstrous gods who would take them both away from her and like she the emotion like the the different like the emotional scale that she goes through like from just sadness and grief and like nostalgia like just remembering like better times and then just to to see like all of this shit is going like I don't really fuck with Catelyn like that but (laughs) I see I see like yo she is really going through it yeah she is I mean that's what I love about her she has this deep emotion and she has this role to fill that she has that's basically threatened by her own emotions like she yeah. knows what's right to do in certain situations and then something will happen and she'll just follow how she feels. Like what happened with Tyrion. And right now she's like covered in rage. Basically she had lines to recite to her brother in greeting that she didn't say. She's like, no, will that bring my husband back? Anyway, I need to see my dad. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, she she's kind of like, well, you know, why didn't you guys tell me that he was so bad off? And like Hoster Tully had actually forbid them to tell anyone because they don't want that he didn't want his enemies to know that he was dying and um Catelyn like in that moment Catelyn is blaming herself she's like if you had not taken it upon yourself to seize the dwarf 
Like that's what she's thinking to herself. Like, this is my fault. Like, so what the readers are thinking about her, because the readers, most of them believe, you know, she shouldn't have took Tyrion, but she thinks that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She, I like that. She actually blames herself in this moment. I mean, it's, I think it's debatable whether, whether there still would have been problems, but that definitely was a definitive moment of, well, here it is, here's war. What I don't understand is what was Hostetelli afraid of? Because it says before that, like he forbade it. He did not um, want his enemies to know that he was dying. With the realm um, so troubled, he feared if the, that if the Lannisters suspected how frail he was, then she finishes, they might attack. Well, here's the thing. Why was he afraid? The realm was at peace. There was, it wasn't troubled. He yeah. could have, he, they could have sent her word and she could have come to, to, to uh, Riverrun to be with him in his last moments. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, was there an issue that we're not told of? That's one thing I'm always curious about with this. Like oh. this it, could, it could be that there's a missing story thread that George just has just said, okay, never mind, I'm not going there. Or it could be a situation where the Lannisters really were intending war and then like, oh, well, perfect. He, t- he took my least favorite son. Now I can ride to war. Like, like um, a letter from Lysa that went to Hoster Tully? Yeah, maybe. Maybe she, yeah, that could be. Because could be. that that's who put, because she definitely put suspicion on the Lannisters with the letter that she sent to Catelyn. Oh, that's true. It could be that um, Littlefinger told her to put suspicions in both um, at both at Winterfell and at River Run, so that they, it would guarantee that there's trouble somehow. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. It could be that. I mean, it's just interesting that they're worried about the realm being so troubled when it was never been more peaceful, or rarely been more peaceful than in Robert's reign for some reason. Yeah. Um, Hoster, when he's talking to Catelyn. Um, one of my favorite parts of this chapter, um, he says, I saw last night when it began, I told them had to see, they carried me to the gate. They carried me to the gatehouse, watched from the battlements. Ah, that was beautiful. The torches came in a wave. I could hear the cries floating across the river, sweet cries. When that siege tower went up, gods would have died then and glad. If only I could have seen your children first. Was it your boy who did it? Was it your Rob? Yes, Catelyn said, fiercely and proud. It was Rob and Brendan. Your brother is here as well, my lord. Him. (laughs) So we get into like the first, I won't say the first, there's been a couple hints at it, that the Blackfish and Hoster Tully really don't get along. Yeah, that stubbornness of the Tullys, I like that. It's like they're, they'll hold a grudge for years. Sometimes warranted, like with Liza and the forced abortion. Other times like this, not so much. Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, he he wants to see Liza, but Liza hasn't come. And like, she could see that that makes him sad. Um, But I don't know. I feel like the Blackfish and Hoster Tully's relationship is kind of, I don't know, odd. 
Like, is Hoster Tully really that prideful and stubborn? Well, I mean, technically, he is his lord. Like, a lot is made of, um, of you know, daughter, teenage girls being forced into marriage and saying, what of my heart? Do I have no say in this? But the thing mm-hmm. is, those lords had the power to have their, their brothers or sons married to whoever they wanted as well. And then it's just the difference is that basically Brendan can get a job somewhere and support himself without having to rely on his brother yeah. while a teenage girl wouldn't and would yeah. have to be chosen. <laughs> so yeah. <basically>. Like, <laughs> I think that's the main beef. The main beef between Lord Hoster Tully and the Blackfish, his brother, is that he did not wed Bethany Redwine when Hoster Tully commanded him to. Yeah, exactly. It's it's even just the marriage. It's him denying him his authority over him. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think it's petty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I mean, I'm curious about what the what the actual reason was. He just didn't like her. Didn't want to marry at all. I mean, <laughs> there's something deeper there that's going to be explored. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because otherwise, like, why deny a dynastic? union like that because I actually don't even see why they would marry Bethany Redwine to the second son when they could probably get a lord which is what they got for her instead yeah that's true it was a, too it was, a, it was a lesser lord than the, a lord paramount but still it's, an, it's a lord and her children are going to inherit the lordship so. yeah and they had um he had like other offers for him too I think it was like one of Walder Frey's kids and a Bracken or a Blackwood as well yeah so he was trying to get yeah he was trying to get him married and um the blackfish kind of shut that down but he did want to at least see the blackfish um he was like i'm gonna go to sleep you know send him up and the black and cat's like you know he's dying and brendan is like nah i don't believe that like Hoster will be chiding me about the red wine girl even as we light his funeral pyre damn his bones (laughs) Sam, we didn't get to see that. <laughs> yeah. Like, a white version of him coming to life. Like, why didn't you marry? <laughs> why yeah. did you marry the red wine girl? <laughs> it was a better marriage than most people could have hoped for in your position. <laughs> you yes. <laughs> yes. So when Catelyn get, gets back down, like, she doesn't see Rob. And Theon is like, you know, um, he went to the Godswood. It was what Ned would have done. He is his father's son as much as mine. I must remember, oh God's Ned. And then she goes to the Godswood and she finds, but there's no heart tree there, but she finds Rob beneath, says she found Rob beneath the green canopy of leaves surrounded by tall redwoods and great old elms kneeling before the heart tree, a slender weirwood with a face more sad than fierce. I did not think there was a weirwood in River Run. Yeah, that's one of the inconsistencies in the books. Because um, in, in, in her first chapter, doesn't she say there's no weirwood? Yep. In the first chapter, she says there's no weirwoods um, south of the neck. And that's clearly something that George must have changed while writing the book, but didn't um, correct all of the instances of it to keep the continuity. That's my guess. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Otherwise, I don't see why he would have her say there's none. And then suddenly there's not, there is one in River Run and they tried to get one in the veil and that's in her chapter two. So, so. yeah, but yeah. she, she's having like a nostalgic moment where she kind of remembers like, you know, 
all that she did when she was a child in this place like this is where her father had taught her to ride amongst these trees and then that was the elm that Edmir had fallen from when he broke his arm and over there beneath the bower she and Lysa had played at kissing with Peter and now she's back with her son grown at war and like there's all these northern great lords just in this godswood kneeling praying to the old gods like did you ever think it was going to be like this Catelyn probably not (laughs) (laughs) no I mean victory should have meant you know this is going to be a joyous time and then suddenly victory and now oops pain (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but they they when she tells Rob you know like your grandfather would want to see you now like he'd want to see you and she he kind of like he doesn't really say anything about that she's just like he's very sick and Edmir and he's like yeah Edmir told me but anyway Renly claimed Stannis's crown like Renly Renly has took the crown and um Catelyn's like Renly like it should be Stannis and everyone's like well we all thought it was going to be Stannis but it's not and then they just have a war council yeah, that's kind of strange. They didn't seem at all interested in seeing his dying grandfather. <laughs> yeah, like, he's like, hey, you know what? Renly has took Robert's crown. This is, like, we need to talk about this now. Like, he can wait. Hopefully he doesn't die while <laughs> while he's waiting. I like to hope that he went to him at some point while they waited for the other lords to get there since, you know, they would have been scattered around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're gathered together by the time the war council starts, but I'm guessing there's a time jump there. Well, a lot of them were in the gods with praying. Oh, that's right. Well, not all of them worshipped the god, the old gods. So I meant the river, the river. Oh, the river lords. Yeah, because the river lord that was there was um, Titus Blackwood. But yeah, let me see where where did I get that from? Even it was like like you said, just when they called the council, and as you said, um. Oh, wait, um, yeah, the War Council table, and um, okay, a word of the victory at River Run had spread to the fugitive lords of the of the Trident, drawing them back. So I don't know if that happened like before they reached River Run, while well, after right after the victory, or if there was a time skip. There could have been either way, I guess. <laughs> Doesn't matter, but yeah, yeah. I hope yeah. at some point he saw his grandfather. <laughs> I hope he did too. <laughs> um, but they talk about basically the war council is all about like um, what they're going to do next, who they're going to support. And it says Renly is not the king, Rob said. It was the first time her son had spoken. Like his father, he knew how to listen. You cannot mean to hold to Joffrey, my lord, Gabbert Glover said. He put your father to death. That makes him evil, Rob replied. I do not know that it makes Renly king. Joffrey is still Robert's eldest trueborn son. So the throne is rightfully his by all the laws of the realm. Were he, were he to die, and I mean to see that he does, he has a younger brother, Tommen. Tommen is next in line after Joffrey. Tommen is no less a Lannister, Sir Mark Piper, said, Sir Mark Piper snapped. 
As you say, said Rob, troubled. Yet if neither one is king still, how could it be Lord Renly? He's Robert's younger brother. Bran can't be Lord of Winterfell before me, and Renly can't be king before Lord Stannis. Lady Mormont agreed. Lord Stannis has the better claim. Renly is crowned, said Mark Piper. High Garden and Storm's End support his claim, and the Dornishmen will not be laggardly. If Winterfell and Riverrun add their strength to his, he will have five of the seven great houses behind him, six if the errands bestir themselves, six against the rock. My lords, within the year, we will have all their heads on pikes, the queen and the boy king, Lord Tywin, the imp, the kingslayer, Sir Kevin, all of them. That is what we shall win if we join with King Renly. What does Lord Stannis have against that? That we should cast it all aside. And Rob says, the right. Yeah, it's an interesting um, thing, though. I mean, you see that throughout history a lot. Like, okay, well, which of these claimants do I like better? Which of them will help me best? Which of them has the right sometimes is the last thing they think of. Yeah. And Rob, of course, is that Ned Stark-esque character where that's one of the things that concerns him the most is that he has the right. So um, they continue to talk and we hear, it says, a roar of outrage drowned out his voice. Craven the great John thundered. Begging for a truce will make us seem weak, declared Lady Mormont. Ransoms be damned, we must not give up the Kingslayer, shouted Rickard Carstark. Why not a peace, Catelyn asked. The lords looked at her, but it was was Rob's eyes she felt, his and his alone. My lady, they murdered my lord father, your husband, he said grimly. He unsheathed his long sword and laid it on the table before him, the bright steel on the rough wood. This is the only piece I have for the Lannisters. And like, they're all like hooting and hollering, like, yes, Rob, slay Rob. <laughs> like, they're all like hype about it. And they're, and they're kind of like telling Catelyn, like, you're a woman, like, calm down. You are of the gentle sex. <laughs> a man has a need for vengeance. Um, give me Cersei Lannister, Lord Karstark, and you would see how gentle a woman can be, Catelyn replied. Like, it's just like they're going back and forth because they don't really know what to do. It is smart for them to join with Renly. Like, that is the smart thing to do. And um, then... We get like, hold on, let me see. Where do I want to go? Like you know, with her saying like, like give me Cersei Lannister and I'll show you how gentle a woman can be. That just shows the side of her. Like she wishes she could take up arms and defend her family. But it's just this gender role she's been groomed for since childhood that's preventing her basically. Yeah. Because they, they have Lady Mormont in that in that same war council speaking her mind and fighting alongside them. It's and I mean, she's a, and she's of the gentle sex as well, Lord Carstark. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like, I mean, I wonder why George made that choice to have Lady Mormont and her daughters be openly warriors and openly accepted in the northern in the north. Yet they're also still misogynistic and saying, hey, you're of the gentle sex, shut your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting choice on his part, on George's part. It really is. 
and Rickard Karstark is kind of like, you know, what did my sons die for? If like, if you just want to make peace, like what did my kids die for? And Lord Bracken agrees. Um, and it, he's talking about like everything that the mountain has done to him. And Lord Blackwood agrees. And Catelyn is like all surprised. And she's like, and if we do make peace with King Joffrey, are we not then traitors to King Renly? What if the stag should prevail against the lion? Where would that leave us? Whatever you may decide for yourselves, I shall never call a Lannister my king, declared Mark Piper. And then they like start shouting again. Like this is a like really intense moment. I don't feel like the show got how intense this moment was. I'm not even close. Um, <laughs> But the great John, which is one of my favorite Northern Lords, he stands up to his feet. He says, my Lords, he shouted, his voice booming off the rafters. Here is what I say to these two kings. Renly Baratheon is nothing to me, nor Stannis neither. Why should they rule over me and mine from some flowery seat in High Garden or Dorne? What do they know of the wall or the wolfswood or the barrels of the first men? Even their gods are wrong. The others take the Lannisters too. I've had a belly full of them. He reached back over his shoulder and drew his immense two-handed greatsword. Why shouldn't we rule ourselves again? It was the dragons we married and the dragons are all dead. He pointed at Rob with the blade. There sits the only king I mean to bow my knee to, my lords. He thundered. The king in the north. And he knelt and laid his sword at her son's feet. I'll have peace on those terms. Lord Karstark said. They can keep their red castle and their iron chair as well. He eased his long bow. He eased his long sword from its scabbard. The king in the north, he said, kneeling beside the great John. Mage Mormont stood. The king of winter, she declared, and laid her spiked mace beside the swords. And the river lords were rising too. Blackwood and Bracken and Malister, houses who had never been ruled from Winterfell. Yet Catelyn watched them rise and draw their blades, bending their knees and shouting the old words that had not been heard in the realm for more than 300 years since Aegon the dragon had come to make the seven kingdoms one. Yet now we heard again, ringing from the timbers of her father's hall, the king in the north, the king in the north, the king in the north. And this is such a freaking interesting way to close this chapter because this is the second to the last chapter of a Game of Thrones. Exactly. So basically, it's juxtaposed with the birth rebirth of dragons, right? Where the that chapter ends with, and for a hundred years, the and then the night filled in the night air was with the music of dragons who hadn't been. Oh, for the first time in a hundred years, the night. The, I think I feel like I need to just get that quote <laughs> so it could be right. Let me see. Yeah, the, the two pulled away from her breasts and added their voices to the call, translucent wings unfolding and stirring the air. And for the first time in hundreds of years, the night was came alive with the music of dragons. Exactly. So that is definitely paralleling that's the fire element of the story and then we have this ice element where it says you know these are words that had not been heard in the realm for more than 300 years 
exactly it's like this and it's filling and and it says it yet we heard again ringing from the timbers of her father's hall the king in the north the king in the north the king in the north exactly they're bringing back the old ways like magic and then we'll see in the next book magic is basically being born now yes these two returned powers i mean i'm not sure it's even rob but (laughs) that's bringing the ice back yes it's it's not rob (laughs) (laughs) but it's this these chapters are intended to juxtapose each other as the king of winter coming back and dragons being reborn. Yeah. And like, the, just the old ways, the, 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 the heroes of legend, the old ways coming back at the end of this story where we've been told during the entire story that none of this is true. We can't believe none of these stories, none of this ever happened, but we're seeing it happen. Like we're seeing these legendary figures being born where Rob is the king of the North, Danny, mother of dragons. Like we're seeing it happen and unfold. And I feel like that's why this is such a good chapter. Exactly. I also think it's interesting that you're basically getting these two last chapters with these two very, very different types of mothers. I mean, you have Catelyn who's birthed children and she calls herself mother of wolves, basically kind of. Mm-hmm. And um, then you have, and she's actually given birth to them physically. And then you have Danny who's lost her um, biological child and has now figuratively birthed dragons and become the mother of dragons. So that's just an, inter- it's an interesting way of paralleling it too, I think that he's done. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. That's why I love George so much. I think he's like a fucking genius when it comes to this. I mean, he ended Cat 10, Cat, is it Cat 10 or Cat 11? He ended Cat 11, he ended this last Cat chapter with ice and he ended the last Danny chapter with fire. So a Game of Thrones ends with ice and fire and these old powers awakening and I love it. And that's basically the chapter. Did you have anything you wanted to add? Yeah, I think it's interesting that the great John, he said that um, it was the dragons they married. So basically- The married word, right? Exactly. So he basically is rooting their um, their their secession from the realm in the fact that, you know, there's no more Targaryens, there's no more dragons to rule us to, yeah. or, to be mar- or to be wed to. Yet then boom, we get dragons. Does that mean that they'll come back to the realm when there are dragons in charge? Or would this even happened if the Targaryens still ruled and there was a new civil war anyway? Exactly. Because the previous civil wars that we see always have a Targaryen claimant. So yeah, I mean, whether it's Rhaenyra versus Aegon the Usurper or whether it's the Blackfires who are Targaryens, but with a different name. I mean, it's, it's always been a Targaryen they've supported. And now it's just these Lannister stags who are so far removed from the Targaryen line. Yeah, it's like, fuck them. (laughs) (laughs) Like, who are they? (laughs) Yeah, I like how they, I like how he says a marriage because we have that pact of ice and fire that we never really hear about. Like, is it really true? Like from Fire and Blood where like some, some, stark bastard daughter supposedly married jaharis but in the show they said it was the dragons that we bowed to exactly that's that's why i can't see the show ending being anything like the book ending i mean even even if we ignore the fact that david benioff and dby said it would be nothing like it Um, (laughs) looking at the details did they say that 
yeah, they said it like, I think it was around um, season five or six. Like, yeah, it's changed too much. Like, yeah, no shit. Yeah, <laughs> we know. Yeah, we know exactly. kings. <laughs> <laughs> so basically changing the term bow to, um, or changing it from married to bow does change the dynamic, especially since we've seen in the history books how deeply the um, Starks will support the Targaryens. Like mm-hmm. when during the hour of the wolf he was not messing around he was getting justice for both targaryen claimants yes <laughs> he really did like i can't wait to see that in house of the dragon actually i hope so i hope they don't change it i hope <laughs> i mean I do. the writer the writer that they have for house of the dragon is a big like george fan of the yeah. books so i feel like he's gonna try to keep it he's gonna yeah. try to keep it faithful i mean they have the ending of the story they have the be like they have the whole story so like not to just shit on Dan and Dave, they didn't have the whole story. They kind of had to write it themselves, and like they clearly aren't authors. Yeah, exactly. But, and they saw that in some instances the scenes that were original to them, that were original in the show, that weren't from George, that they were well received. They probably yeah. got to the bitches basically, and we're like, no, we can we can do it without him. It's like yeah. okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> it does not. How'd mean- that go? <laughs> Yeah, basically. But I mean, it could also hint that, you know, it was the dragons we married. Like you said, it could hint toward the um, Pact of Ice and Fire. It was supposed to be, yeah, we have the legend of Jaehaerys marrying um, the Baxter. Sarah Snow. Yeah, Sarah Snow. But we also have the pact that he made um, with... Aegon. No, with her brother. It was the pact he made with her brother, um, Jaehaerys did. Or was it Jaehaerys or Jace? Just Jace. Jace. Jace made a pact Jacaris. Jacaris, with um with the current reigning lord of Winterfell that he would that his firstborn um, daughter with Bela would marry um his son. Yeah. But then of course he didn't marry Bela and died, and that's that. And then we had got the whole hour of the wolf. Mm-hmm. And then he winded up and then Tor Torin. Was it his name was Torin? No. And we know the his names <laughs> oh my gosh there's so many names i like craigan 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 then wanted up marrying like a blackwood right um yes he married a black one uh blackwood a black alley i think yeah black alley yep yeah. so Betha. <laughs> these what these things like these that's why like rereading a song of ice and fire is really good when it comes to house of dragon because all these things are intertwined all these things matter. They're not just thrown in there just to be thrown in there. Exactly. So like, I kind of wonder, are we supposed to, is this ice and fire pact, if it's going to be important in the main story, is it the, what happened between Rhaegar and Lyanna or is it going to be something that will happen between Danny and one of the remaining stars? I think it's both actually. Like, I think it's both. Because yeah. I think it was supposed to be like between Rhaegar and Lyanna and then that didn't work. And then we have Daughter of Death, which Danny gets in the House of the Undying, which yeah, it was supposed to be your brother, but he's dead. So now it's your responsibility. That's also what I like about George. He always he always kind of down, like doesn't downplay them, but he talks about how prophecies, the only ones we talk about are the ones that came true. So basically he's saying, yeah, these were all prophecies, but they didn't come true, but here, they can all culminate in Danny. 
because I think that the stallion who mounts the world was a real prophecy. That's why we see visions of Rago as a grown man. Yeah. But they're taken, it's basically, that was probably part of the magic that um, Mira Mazdur used um, in saving Drogo's life was that all the possibilities that were for his son are now gone, but Drogo's still kind of alive. Mm-hmm. but yeah it's all going to i think it's all going to culminate in her because it could have culminated in rhaegar it could have culminated in his son but it didn't all those are all those possibilities are gone but she that's what that's why i like the daughter of death idea it sounds kind of creepy but then it's also yeah actually she's kind of the heir to all of this yeah i agree so that wraps up uh, john (laughs) (laughs) that is our last Catelyn chapter of a game of thrones and i will see you guys next week for the finale of a game of thrones the birth of dragons with quinn's ideas as always um marie thanks for coming thank you guys for watching and or listening